¿Qué tal amigos? Welcome to Hello Latino. I'm Odalis Jasmine and today's guest is my girl Nayeli Lopez. She's my former college roommate and my forever Central American sis. Nayeli is a first-generation Guatemalteca y Salvadoreña from the Central Valley. Shout out to Salida, or as we say in this episode, Salida con acento. In our conversation, Nayeli talks about her experience feeling different and out of place even in Latino communities based on her quote-unquote American upbringing. For all y'all who have questioned your Latinidad or have asked if you're Latino, Latina enough, I hope this episode brings you a little inspiration to own your identity. Latinidad doesn't look one way. We all have different backgrounds, culturas, and we're beautifully diverse. Remember, you don't have to fit into a box. You're unique and you are, in fact, hella Latino. Pun is completely intended. Alrighty, well, Nayeli, I'm so excited. Just to give context to those listening, Nayeli and I were roommates for a year and probably like the best roommate ever. (laughs) (laughs) I like, I have so many memories with you of like when I would forget my backpack and I would literally just ride my bike to school. (laughs) I'd be like, "Um, are you still home? (laughs) I kept like literally all the times I left my backpack and I was going to school. But, anyways, I love you and I'm so happy that you're on the show. It's and yeah, what what Nayeli was saying before we even started recording was like, oh, I didn't know what I was gonna talk about. But I think like we slowly realize like we all have stories. Like, you know, we all do. So I'm again excited to have you on. And yeah. <laughs> I think we can get started with the first question, which is how do you identify and why? Cool. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, like what you just said, I I was surprised at first um, to have you ask me to do this, but I realized, like, yeah, I have a story to tell, and I just want to thank you for having me. Um, But Mm -hmm. the way I identify, um, I identify as a first generation Latina American, Um, and the reason I I identify as first generation is because both of my parents um, immigrated here to United States. From, the, from Central America, um, and they had me and my siblings here. So that makes me first generation, and I'm Latina because my parents are Latinos. And um, I tried to stay away from saying just American um, because, and this is something that I have um, recently kind of wanted to unlearn, um, rather than just saying that I'm American, because there are many Americas. Um, The United States of America is not the only one. So Mm -hmm. to say that I am American, I feel like is a very kind of anglicized um, way that we speak on on this country. And I feel like it's really important to remember that we're not the only America. And um, Mm -hmm. there's Central America, South America, North America. And, you know, people in other countries don't learn the United States as the only one. They learn it as just the United States, right? So it's a very important part, I think, of my um, realizing who I am and trying to find my own identity. So I want Mm -hmm. to really emphasize the fact that I am a Latina American um, with roots from Central America. And where in Central America? Yeah, so my mom um, is from El Salvador and my dad is from Guatemala. And they actually met here in the United States. So but two countries that are from Central America, mm-hmm. very close to Honduras, 
you know, yes. that was that was something that I think we bonded over really quickly. We were yeah, like, my oh my Central God. American sis. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't meet that many of them. <laughs> so the minorities really nice. within Latinos. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. yeah, we there's not a lot of um, representation, one. And there's not a lot of like, you know, I haven't really met a lot of people who really rep their their Central American identity. Like, right. Like, you know, except my family, you know, they're hella Honduran and they like rep it like no other. But in like a grandiose setting, like that's not something they usually talk about. Like, right. Yeah, go Honduras, right? Like I admire Puerto Ricans for their their pride in right. Puerto Rico. It's like, dang, I want to have that much pride. <laughs> slowly, slowly but... everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. But I it's so interesting that you say that about the the Americas because you're a thousand percent correct like there we are not the only America and I have to call myself out all the time on that because I tend to do that a lot <laughs> like I'm like America but I'm we like all oh, wait. Do. yeah, yeah we all but do. you know it's, again it's like slowly unlearning that right and and really right. like saying the U.S. right or like my <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say this, but maybe like my family says Gringolandia. <laughs> that's what they call that's what they call the US. But again, like again, I mean, it's it's something that I'm unlearning. A lot of people are unlearning is yeah, there is different Americas. There's North America, South America, Central America, um, mm-hmm. Las Americas, you know, Latino America. So there's a lot of like Yeah. It, it's hard to understand and wrap our heads around when we've learned it so a one way for a long time. Right. Um, it's but totally right. ingrained I mean, in us. And totally. It's le- again, learned behavior, right? It was literally taught right. to us for years. We would, when I think about it too, like in school, it's kind of weird. Like we were really patriotic. Right. It's like 4th of July was a big deal. We would like practice all these independence days, like songs. I don't know <laughs> most of them That's now. So but like, yeah. Right. And like, even I learned how to like, um, well, let me backtrack. There was this like big event that we do at school. And like, it's funny also because like I came from a low income school where it was like, we were all people of color, mm-hmm. you know, like white Americans were the minority at that school. It was like, what, 75% Hispanic um, or Latino students, I mean. And the other percent was like black. And then the other percent was like Asian Pacific Islander. There was like, like literally it was probably like two. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) literally one of our biggest like things in school was when 4th of July came around Independence Day, like we, that whole week was like patriotic week. Like we'd Mm -hmm. learn all these songs. We'd gather at like a quad and we just like sing. (laughs) It was weird. (laughs) Like thinking about it now, I'm like, that's very (laughs) cult-like. I mean, it is cool though. It is cool. It is, yeah. It's cool that you have that um, representation of it, though, because everyone is singing all these like, oh, I'm from the United States song, but everyone looks different and they all have different colors mm-hmm. and they're from different countries. So it is a good indicator that like this is a very diverse country. But at the same time, like that language mm-hmm. of like this is America can be kind of like. I don't know, detrimental to the other Americas, you know, we're not the only ones. And this, that conversation um, came up in my head because my parents were telling me about how, like what they learned when they were in schools in their, um, you know, respective countries. And they never learned America as 
or excuse me, the United States as America. They learned it as Estados mm-hmm. Unidos, you know, you know, and the other countries mm-hmm. that were surrounding them were the Americas. And I remember them mentioning mm-hmm. that and me thinking like, yeah, that's more correct. Why didn't we learn it that way? You know, we're, we have right. a very Anglo-centered education from the very beginning. And I think now realizing that and learning that as an adult, I'm, I'm like trying to slowly like take that out of my language. And I think, you know, taking mm-hmm. it out of my identity is an important way to start that, you know, conversation. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, that's a really great way to start this. But um, now I'm thinking, I'm like, how do I have it in my pod? Do I say America? <laughs> You're like <laughs> making me think, um, no, but that's a really great point. And like, I think it's a great learning lesson for all of us, including myself. Right. But let's talk about you. Let's talk about your story, your, your background, your, your Latinidad, you know, your roots in sure. Central America, El Salvador and, and Guatemala, mm-hmm. which I love Guatemala so many special memories there but um let's start from the beginning do you know much about your your parents immigration story yeah I do um I'm lucky enough to be very close to both my parents and have had many conversations about their upbringing more so my mom um she's a little bit more vocal about her her um journey here to the United States and totally respect that because you talk about it huh Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's a, my dad is a lot more vocal um now as as me and my siblings are adults, but when it when it comes down to it, like I I really want to learn more about his his coming here and I I know a little bit more now as an adult, but um I really want to like capture it all some way and maybe do an interview like this with them one day, but yeah. I do know, um, I do know um, a little bit about how they came here. And it really does revolve mostly around the fact that Central America was in a civil war in the 80s. Um, and mm. that is something that I, um, as an adult now, want to really learn more about and understand and kind of put myself in their shoes and how much they had to sacrifice coming here. But I'll backtrack a little bit more. So um, my mom um, is from, like I said, El Salvador. And um, in the 80s, I believe 1980 was the year that she um, immigrated here with her two younger sisters, her dad and her cousin. Um, So very similar and common to other immigrant stories. Her mom was actually already in the United States working and sending money to her family back in El Salvador to eventually have them all join her um, because they were trying to escape the war. Um, so she was in, in San Salvador, um, the capital of mm-hmm. El Salvador, um, which was really just, you know, inundated with war. Um, she saw lots of, you know, destruction and buildings blowing up and people disappearing. And her parents quickly mm-hmm. realized, like, we need to leave. So yeah, she was lucky enough to be able to leave um, and join um, her mom in the United States. Um, they have, a, again, a very common immigrant story, you know, at a coyote and lots mm-hmm. of nights, you know, sleeping where they don't know where they are and cold nights and first time, you know, being without a roof over their head and like th- those kinds of things. And you know, I I don't want to speak to things I don't know what they experienced, but 
that's kind of the gist of what she's told me about her, you know, immigration story. Um, but they eventually, her and her family eventually settled in the like LA area. I want to say Huntington Park area for a little bit. Okay. And then, yeah. And then my, my grandma, so my mom's mom realized that that was also a community that she did not want to be, want her family to be in. Um, the, my mom. Was it the 80s? Yes. It was, yeah. I believe, 1980. Isn't that when, I don't know if you know much about this, but isn't that when La Mara Salvatrucha was kind of like founded? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that has a lot to do with the danger oh, yeah, I that don't was. No, that's a Salvadorian gang. Yes, <laughs> and it's it's still very prominent to this day, mm-hmm. and it El Salvador remains one of the most dangerous countries mm-hmm. to just be in, which is really sad. Um, that like that's the like um stereotype that El Salvador has. Like I've actually been told no. like. Like, that's the only thing that people know about El Salvador sometimes, like, is La Salvatrucha, which is so sad, but, um, you know, it's There's not so uncommon. Beauty. There's so much beauty in the culture. And yeah. I, um, so Honduras and El Salvador are very similar in the way that we speak. At one point, I don't mm-hmm. know if this is true, but it was like, like it was like one república or I don't know. I don't really know a lot about the history of Central America, which is something I, I, I too want to learn. But mm-hmm. at one point, I think they were like not separated. I don't really know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's right. I'm not sure. I don't right? I feel like what that's I right. I'm know, like, but... I feel like my parents have told me this story. I'm gonna have to ask them again. But yeah, yeah at one point, like it was it was in unison somehow or united mm-hmm. one somehow. But yeah, we we eat basically very similar foods. Like our cultures mm-hmm. are very similar compared to any other countries in Central America. Like El Salvador and Honduras are very similar in the way that we speak and like the accents that we have. And it's again, it's like really, really, really similar. Yeah, yeah. Me, I I'm know. Like, oh, there's so much beauty in El Salvador. Like, first of all, yeah. everyone should also know pupusas because those are bomb. <laughs> everywhere that's another thing but that's another thing that's people another say thing, yeah <laughs> but there's also a lot of other beautiful things from El Salvador that things are I probably don't even know that I'm yeah. excited to hear about but yeah. um and then you're I think you're going to talk about your dad's right your dad's immigration story too mm-hmm. yeah so he's sim- uh, very similar to my mom it's interesting how they have very um similar stories of their countries and their immigration stories but then met here it's they are totally like meant to be like it sounds so cheesy but like I'm so happy they found each other because their background was just really similar and they they both had to grow up really fast in their countries and were able to come here um you know and be healthy and have have some of their families to support them and stuff but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day like they really like had each other um, so my dad was, um, he came here, he was a little bit older. So my mom, I don't know if I mentioned, this, but she was 15 when she immigrated here and my dad was 18. So a few years after my mom did, um, and they're like around the same age. So he was 18 years old and had, um, he, I believe he just came with his cousin. It was really just him and his cousin who came. Um, he had an older brother who was, um, I believe going to the United States or was already in the United States um, and he was going to go join him. How did he, how did he come here? So similar to my mom, again, um, I hate this term, but they did both come illegally. I hate that term, but um, 
you know, they, they didn't come on a plane, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't afford that. They came, you know, bus, train, foot. Did they go on the train de la bestia? Sorry, say that again. Did they come on La Tren de la Bestia? Because that's how my dad my dad came here. I know a lot of Central Americans come here. Yeah, that way. I don't know <gasps> if it was. I'm not sure. I've heard of it, but I'm not sure. Again, <laughs> yeah, seriously. I, I again, I don't know as much about my dad's story. I it's a lot of trauma that's and right. it's a lot of that's things right. that I, he it's just doesn't really like about. openly talk about. I'm sure he would tell me if I asked, but like that's another thing I guess that I need to um more do more of is just really like ask these questions because mm-hmm. it's really important for me to know this stuff but yeah I don't know exactly if that was the way he came but I know that that is especially really common in Guatemala with like the buses that are like painted mm-hmm. um they're like they're like school buses but they're really just made for people sending people to the United States <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. So I, again, I don't know like uh, everything about his story, but it was a lot of trauma. He was escaping a lot of trauma and um, mm-hmm. being able to make a life here was everything that was his goal. And he eventually, you know, did it. And that makes me so proud of him and so proud of my mom as mm-hmm. well for being able to do those things. And my dad was really pretty much alone doing it. Um, he didn't have his you know, parents supporting him there. His mom was still in Guatemala and his um, dad passed away actually when he was really young. So he did a lot of this on his own. So I understand why it's not, you know, a common story for him to be bringing up to us all the time. And um, mm-hmm. it, it, there's a lot of, you know, heartache that I'm sure he he suffered and doesn't want to really like talk about in his not. time in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. But but I'm very happy to be able to like still have a really strong, close connection with both of them. So I can one day learn a little bit more and talk a little mm-hmm. bit more about um, pieces, their upbringing. Right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, for totally. sure. I mean, again, I didn't know much about my parents until it was, it was like kind of an accidental storytelling time. <laughs> like yeah. they both have been very like, oh, I didn't know that about you. And it, it was just a very natural thing. It wasn't they sat me down and told me, or I asked them, it was like, right. again, was like segue into it. We we're like, Whoa, like we're getting deep here. I didn't know this, Yeah, but it's, a, it's very interesting because like you were saying, I think our parents, a lot of immigrants that come here, like you said, illegally, even though it's, I don't like that term either, mm-hmm. but even though they came here in ways that aren't looked at as correct right Mm -hmm. there is a lot of trauma and I feel like in in a way shame that comes with that and so I feel like it's just really hard for them to tap into it especially I think men because no yet to sabes and in the way that (laughs) Latinos operate especially Latino men it's like it's hard to show that vulnerability it's hard to show it's hard to show the the feels right it's just hard to like express themselves and show all that even though like my dad's pretty good at it it sounds like your dad has told you a little bit bits and pieces but Mm -hmm. I know it's just hard it's just hard to relive that trauma yeah absolutely I totally understand it on you know on his end that there's a lot to kind of unpack in his own uh, memories and his upbringing so Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to you know make him bring it up whenever he's not ready but at this point like 
it's been a long time. His kids are adults now. You know, I'm sure he would he would mention it and bring it up. And those You're moments like, happen. Time. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me your story. <laughs> and I love it when those moments happen. Like you mentioned, like um, just accidentally, like these stories happen. Like, oh, you did that. Like you did that. Yeah. Childhood? Or like, wow, like oh, that was a city one. you grew up in. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, I love those when those moments happen. Oh yeah, I know. Me too. I like wish I can have more of them or just like have the right questions. And I think it's just that sometimes you don't have the right questions to ask. And right. so like I live for those, like you said, accidental moments where it's like, oh, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you did this and that. Like again, it's just it's crazy to think like your parents really did have a whole like life and almost yeah. really like, empowering but traumatic experience from such a young age from like a really young age and it puts things in perspective for us right and we're like oh god (laughs) like exactly compared to them it's like I it it shows gratitude right like we have a lot more gratitude absolutely I was gonna say that too it more so makes me think of like their upbringing and just being like wow like I am so proud of them and I am so thankful Mm -hmm. that they did everything they did to get where we are now, but also like, it's a reminder, like, like they should be so proud of themselves too. You know, like they came from very little and have established a really great life in the United States for their children. And I will always be very, very grateful for that. Oh, well, speaking of your, your childhood and your parents creating this life for you guys, let's talk a little bit about your story. And, you know, your upbringing from giving that perspective of your parents, like now I want to hear about your upbringing. I I know a little bit, but not, I don't even feel like we've had a conversation like this and we've known each other for years. I know. (laughs) But like, let's talk about your story, your upbringing and, and yeah, just tell us a little bit about Nayeli. Great. Well, I'm glad we have this platform because it's so funny that we've been friends for so long, but like. There's still a lot we don't know about each other. Um, <laughs> it's not natural just sit down with someone like, tell me your story. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, That's why we need like it. It's like really creating the space for it. But yeah, let's, I'm so yeah. excited. I want to hear more yeah. about your upbringing, your story. Yeah. So um, like I said before, my parents met here in the United States. They met in like the Bay Area um, and got married really fast and had kids really fast. <laughs> I am the wait, third. Wait, I know this part. Say it because it's like crazy. Oh, yeah. So they no. met, they got married after three months of knowing each other. <laughs> <laughs> My parents are probably going to be like, so, like, when they hear this, they're going to be like, what Shout the heck? Out to them. <laughs> <laughs> Love this, fam. No, that is amazing. I like, yeah. when you told me, I was like, no way. <laughs> yeah. And they have been married ever since. It's been, I believe, 33 years is the or in november they'll have their 34th year um wedding anniversary oh so, congrats yeah they're amazing <laughs> For them um, congrats they will listen. yeah <laughs> um so yeah they they got married after um three months and they had kids really fast um and i'm the third so i'm the baby and um, when i was really young i was like three years old when my family relocated um to the central valley in california so um, that's another big part, I think, of my identity is being Californian and Central Valley has a lot to do with what, like, my upbringing. 
Um, so yeah, we relocated the five of us. I have two older siblings, um, older, older brother and an older sister. I was about three years old when, um, our family moved to Salida, California, uh, which is also should be called Salida, which is exit in Spanish. Um, every time you said it, I was like, we should, we should not say it like that. Like we talked I remember. (laughs) Yeah. So it's called Salida. It's a tiny 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 um city i think i don't remember it's the salida yeah it's it's the exit and um which is kind of a sad explanation of the town but it's true it's the exit of the central valley people leave um people want to leave it's kind of a not much to do town a middle of nowhere town but i love it and i'm very grateful to have um grown up there but it's one of those situations where it's like you don't know that you love it until you leave it you know what I mean um so yeah we we were there because um it became very expensive to live in the bay area um my parents were both in um I believe it was yeah it was Sunnyvale we lived in Sunnyvale at the time when they were deciding to move us um my mom was trying to figure out her job situation and couldn't find you know proper child care to um, really take care of us and also have a job. So she had to quit her job and my dad was going to support us. And they realized they were not going to be able to do that in the Bay Area. So they moved to the mm-hmm. Central Valley um, because my my dad's older brother actually had already moved into the, into the Salida area. And they're like, okay, that seems like a good town. Let's follow him, <laughs> which is another thing that a lot of immigrants do, right? <laughs> Um, right. It's like, oh my God, hold on. That is such a good point. We like follow, right? Because that's right. what we know. Follow the family. <laughs> yeah. We you got a family. connection that's there? the only there. reason my, my parents found San Diego because all my family was already here and they had followed their friends and it, it's a trickle effect of people following each other because <laughs> they're yeah. like, I don't know where to go. Um, that's so true. Yeah, that's something like I I remember asking my parents as like a kid, like, why did we move here? Like, <laughs> like this is such a random town. Um, but it was because my uncle lived there. So and then slowly all of my dad's side of the family have also kind of moved in. So he has um, his siblings, like all his siblings live in Salida as well. So it mm-hmm. was just like a following, uh, like same thing, following um, the family. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I'm over here. Yeah, exactly. Like, I live here, you'll like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so I had a very, like, very typical, like, suburban childhood. And I'm super grateful for it. Like, I had a, I had a great, like, the riding your bike with the neighbors. And, you know, <laughs> your, your curfew is when the streetlights turn on kind of childhood. And it was great. Like, um, a big part of it was the fact that my mom did not work, um, at the time when I was growing up. Um, so I was like four, three or four years old when we lived there or when we moved there. And so I was in the age of like preschool time, but because of money situation and like just moving to a new town, my mom was like my preschool. So she like homeschooled preschooled me (laughs) until Mm -hmm. it was time for me to go to kindergarten. And, um, so that has a lot of, I think, a lot to do with how my childhood was and like my upbringing was the fact that I had my mom as a support there. And um, my dad was still commuting actually to the Bay Area. So he was working 
like crazy commuting hours um, from Salida to Cupertino, um, which is about an hour and a half on a normal drive, but at traffic hours, it's like three hours. Um, so he was <laughs> working a lot, working a lot. Um, but again, super grateful for their sacrifices um, to being able to support us and you know, they owned their house outright in, in um, the Central Valley and they had three kids and they were really just fresh out of, you know, being immigrants themselves. And I, again, super, you know, amazed by the what they were able to do yeah. um, with their upbringings um, and lack thereof. Yeah, you know? was real. <laughs> yeah, they grew up, they had to grow up really fast and figure out what to do how to support themselves really fast. And they really did it. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. One thing I want to ask you is because this is a really interesting thing that you told me before this interview started. Like when we were texting about, oh, you should come on here. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'd love to have you on. And you said something that like stuck with me. I'm like, I really want to ask her about what she means. But you said, oh, I can definitely talk about not feeling Latina enough. (laughs) <sighs> tell me more because <laughs> I'm, I'm again I'm so curious because I'm just curious so yeah I don't know if you want to touch on that but I would love to know like what it is that you meant by not feeling or not being Latina enough yeah well I think it does like this is a good segue because um growing up in the Central Valley and, and specifically in my town it was a very white town. And although it is a, um, a agricultural town with lots of Latino immigrants and a really big, um, specifically Mexican population, it's still very white. Um, I think anyone from the Central Valley can attest to that. Like, although there are mm. lots of Latinos and lots of different uh, minorities, it is a conservative white area to live in. Um, and, and that's not something that I ever really thought about growing up, like in school, right. like it, was, it was just life. Like it wasn't anything different. You didn't know that there could be other experiences. You know, I've, I had many moments where I was like the only brown person in the room, or I had many moments where I was surrounded by, um, other Latinos, but they were mostly just all Mexican and everyone just assumed I was Mexican as well. Mm-hmm. I even mm-hmm. had the moment, like I, growing up, I even thought I was Mexican because I was just yeah. around them so much. And I was just like, that's what I am too. Right. And my parents were like, no, yeah, <laughs> this is what you are. I mean, that's so true. I'm just a quick segue into like, I'm thinking of my family. My, one of my sisters, that was like a running joke in our family. Cause she came home one day and was like, I'm Mexican. And they were like, what? <laughs> and like, no, you're not. And she's like, I am. I speak Spanish. And I, you know, she was like saying all these yeah. things. And like, she had grown up in Honduras and she was like thinking she was Mexican because that's what her friends were saying. Because you're around. San Diego. Yeah. It's who you're yeah. around. It's because your environment. People. Yeah. It's the environment for sure. But it was like a running joke for a while because they said it was so funny how she just came in and she was like, I'm Mexican. And we're like, what? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I actually I mean, asked that to my parents once. You, like I asked, them? like I asked them, like, am, like, am I Mexican or like, what am I? Like, what do I say when people ask what I am? I remember this so clearly. This was like, I think in first grade or something like that. And my dad being the very 
like, I can't, how do I describe how he is? He's very, um, like wants to just have world peace. Then like <laughs> the hippie in him is like, just say you're a human. Like that was his answer when I asked, like, what do I say what I am? Like you're a human. And, and that's like, to this day, he still is very adamant about like, we don't need to label ourselves. Like we don't need to be separate from people from Mexico or separate from people from other countries. Like we are who we are and we don't need to label that and let that define us. And I think that's very noble oh. of him. And I, yeah, I love that about fair. him. And but knowing I, that there's hella nationalism in Latino America. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I, I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's really, it's really admirable and noble of him to have that mindset. Um, but at the same time, because I didn't really like know how to answer that question, I think it, it has a lot to do with the fact that like, I didn't know that I was Latina, you know what I mean? For like mm-hmm. a while when I was younger and um, like, of course, like, <laughs> yeah, like, I think I actually did answer that once and like, I'm a human and people were just like, oh, she thinks she's funny. But at the same time, no, I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like my dad told me to tell you this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, like I, I knew I was, um, Latina, but like, it wasn't a part of me, you know what I mean? Like growing up because mm. I don't know, it was just, it was just like life. I'm curious, like when you were, I know you said it was kind of like a white town, but like when you were at home, like, w- were you eating like mm-hmm. Salvadorian Guatemalan food? Like, you know, how was your experience at home? You know, like, yeah. I'm, just, I'm curious. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, so because I was the youngest, um, my parents had already like learned English and my siblings learned English and um, they wanted, they were very adamant about us learning English young because they didn't want us to be in like ESL classes. And because that's my mom had that experience because she came mm-hmm. here as a freshman in high school and had a really hard time with that. Um, so my siblings, when they were born, they only spoke Spanish and they were, that was their first language. But by the time I was born, everyone was in school already and learning English and kind of like fully assimilated. So I felt pretty much fully assimilated by the time I was growing up. I spoke a little bit of Spanish, but it wasn't like it was not fluent. Um, it, it still is not completely fluent to this day. And because my parents, I think, were teenagers, because they were teenagers when they came here, they had a little bit more time to like assimilate to the United States. Um, so we were definitely eating like Salvadorian food and like I've grown up eating panes con pavo and, and pupusas and, you know, having campurado. Yeah, panes con pavo. Ooh, that sounds bomb. <laughs> That's the best turkey sandwich we'll ever have. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to come over. <laughs> yeah. I really <laughs> um, When it's safe to do so. Um, when, it's, when it's safe. Yeah. But yeah, so we ate the food and stuff, but at the same time, like, it was a pretty much a, like, I hate, you know, American household. Um, but I definitely like knew about my upbringing or about my parents' upbringings and stuff, but it was my parents' upbringing. You know, it wasn't mine. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. I, for me, I was just a girl growing up in the United States in the Central Valley. And my parents are from other countries, but, you know, that was just like, like a chapter of my life it wasn't a bigger part 
And I think it wasn't until I went to college that I realized like it's a part of me too, um, that like mm-hmm. I can identify as a Latina as well. Um, as well. A lot of the not Latina enough kind of um, mindset that I had was because of that language barrier, I think, of like not fully being fluent in Spanish. And like, I, I couldn't have like, these deep conversations with my grandparents because they they don't have a lot of like English skills. They didn't have it at the time. They they speak it a little bit more now, but at the time, like I felt like I couldn't have these like long talks with my grandparents or like know what they were talking about whenever they had like uh, conversations about their countries. They're like I felt kind of out of it. You know what I mean? Like even with my own immediate family because my siblings spoke it more than I did or they knew a little bit more I've never been to um, Guatemala or El Salvador so like there's a lot of like little things Mm -hmm. that made me feel like I didn't have that identity yet but I definitely like grew into it um, when I was moving into going into college like I said, like being a Latino wasn't really a part of me in like growing up when I was like younger, like it was, it was like on the outside, but like internally I wanted more of it, you know? So going to college at a very, um, a very like Hispanic serving institution at San Jose State. Go Spartans. I was like, um, oh, I can find that here. You know, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of like Latinos here and they have, mm-hmm. you know, clubs and groups and stuff like that. And like, I can, I can find that there. And it didn't really like hit it, Like I, I couldn't really like, um, I don't know, find myself in those groups either because it wasn't, I didn't have that same upbringing that a lot of people did that were very Latina <laughs> um, at that. What at do that you mean by that though? Upbringing so, that were very Latina. Um, so let me think of an example. Uh, so when I was like a sophomore, I joined or I took the um, Mexican American history class for like our ethnic studies requirement. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in that class and everyone in the class looked like me, you know, maybe even had like a name like me, or like a very Latina name or um, upbringing. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah yeah so I was like oh I'll fit in here I'll fit in you know like this is like a community that I can be a part of um but then once I start getting into conversations with people I felt like I didn't fit in because I had a very like suburban upbringing I spoke English mm-hmm. at home I grew up around white people I rode my bikes on you know on the sidewalk and went to a very mm-hmm. white high school things like that like that those are the little things that I had growing up that people in those classes didn't. They were a lot of them like grew up in very um, um, Latino communities and only spoke Spanish at home and had all these like inside jokes that I felt like I couldn't relate to. Um, These were not like problems though. Like I didn't feel like it was a problem. You know, it was just kind of like a, oh, I don't feel like I fit in here. Like, even though my name is Nayelita Lopez and I'm brown and I look and very, <laughs> I look like I would fit in. I just didn't feel like I did. I was like, I don't feel like I'm Latina enough to be in this class or in this community. Yeah. Um, 
so that's kind of where it came from. Like I, I never felt like I had this, like I, I, I never had like an identity crisis or like, like, what am I really? It was just more so of a like feeling like, I don't think I fit in here. Yeah. Mm, and you were that's like trying where to it find came from. community, right? Exactly. Exactly. Like I wanted something different. I wanted to be in a community where I felt like I could add to, you know, I could contribute to. But then when I went to this very, you know, Latino centered community at San Jose State, I was like, maybe I can't contribute to this. Like this probably isn't for me. Um, And same thing with like people I was trying to um, communicate with, like through mentors who were in the centers that were supposed to be serving Latino students and stuff like that. Again, it was that same feeling of like, I don't think I fit in here. I, maybe I'm like too mm-hmm. whitewashed for this or something like that. I hate that term too, but it was definitely, it was definitely a thought for me. Like, I don't know if it, if it was something that I could contribute to. And I feel like this is such an important topic because there's probably so many people who feel not probably there is probably a lot of, I mean, there is people that feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I've, I've definitely one thing that, that someone told me, I, I, I've been friends with her since college and she listened to the pod or she, you know, listens to the pod every week. And she was telling me like, it's kind of sad for me because I, I love my community, but I can't relate to some of these stories. And exactly. same thing, I was like, I was like, why? And she was like, it just, I don't feel like I'm Latina enough. And it was the same thing that you texted me. So I'm like, oh, this is a trend, you know, like people yeah. feel okay. and like talking about what Latinidad looks like. And this is one of my goals with this podcast is to really show the different faces of what Latinos are, what we look yeah. like our experiences, they're very different. They're not all coming from low income areas. They're not all coming from these really heavy Hispanic or people of color communities. They're not all Spanish speakers. They're not all, you know, like Mm -hmm. brown haired, brown, you know, like we have different experiences. We, we don't all speak, you know, like there's people who are bocha as fuck, you know, like people who can't speak Spanish is fluently like I still trip over my words sometimes yeah or I say things and my dad's like that's that's the wrong tense like <laughs> and I'm like oh okay <laughs> um, but you know it's it's part of the reality of being first generation of being immigrants of being like children mm-hmm. of immigrants and so I, that's what I, I really wanted to capture that part because one I was curious what your experience was with it and also it like for anyone listening who has felt that before like it doesn't make you any less Latino, Latina. And I right. you know I like can't understand the extent of those experiences of, I don't feel like I fit in here. You know, like I mm-hmm. definitely have those moments, like not going to lie. I've had them because a lot of the groups I would walk into were Mexican heavy. And I yeah. feel like, I feel like I fit in here. And that was my thought process. So I, I can't imagine it from your perspective of like, just feeling like you don't belong at all <laughs> like just like yeah. this and, and it again was, it's like everyone has these experiences right and it's also the navigating like what identity to hone in on more so I was like is it mm-hmm. like do I like what do I say when when I'm trying to figure out like 
who I am? And um, is it is it the uh, the Salvadorian side? Is it the Guatemalan side? Is it me yeah, being and you're from bicultural. here? Yeah. yeah. So that that also had a lot to do with me being like, I don't know where I fit in. I don't know where I can you know contribute. Like I said before. Um, yeah. But like it, and again, like I said, it, it never felt like a problem. It never felt like, oh, I'm missing something um, because I was supported by my family. And like, I, I always had my parents to tell me their stories about their upbringing, but like, it was about, it was always about like where they came from and what they saw and what struggles they endured. And me being this sheltered growing up in the suburbs girl, I was like, I, that doesn't apply to me. So like, where can I contribute to this Latino community if that's not the upbringing that I had, you know? So I feel like... Have you, have you felt like you found that? Um, yeah, definitely. Like now I feel like I, I can contribute to the Latino community in, in the way that I am not, you know, fluent Spanish speaker, but I, you know, am making efforts to learn more, to become fluent, to learn more about my parents' upbringing, learn more about the struggles that are going on in Central America and, you know, also the involvement that this country had there and where things can get better and all that Mm -hmm. kind of, um, all that kind of struggle. But also I feel like it's, it's been, um, a journey to learn more about who I am and my, the people that have brought us here today. Um, and although it was like at first, like, I don't know if it's, if I fit in here now I'm realizing like you can make yourself fit in somewhere as long as you have the Mm -hmm. passion and you care and you are also making efforts to learn more and to educate others as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that is such a good point. One thing that I always say to mostly myself, um, but <laughs> what I always say is, I'm like, yes, I talk to myself. Um, but no, one thing I always say is like, we all, yes, we all deserve a seat at the table. But sometimes like you have to just create your own. Like you just yeah. have to create your own table and and freaking bring people in who are not represented at the tables that you're trying to get into. Exactly. So I'm like, and it's that mindset, right? Like we, I think just as humans, as first gens, as so many things, like we want to fit in. We want to be put in groups and community. We want to like be a part of something. And sometimes it's not as easy as it sounds, right? right. It's not as easy as to just, again, like, going to your experience, not feeling like you fit into certain groups, I can certainly relate and think of a lot of the groups I'd walk into that were Latino focused, but I was hearing one narrative from one country and I was like, this isn't what I want either. And right. it was just, again, it was one of those things where I'm like, there's no space really <laughs> where I'm mm-hmm. like content or I'm like trying to, you know, the, the spaces I was trying to find wasn't there. Yeah, it has a lot to do with representation. Yeah. (laughs) And like creating a space for for the community that I really am passionate about representing and the stories I'm really passionate about representing. But again, to your point, like you can create for yourself and you can create that representation Mm -hmm. for people like you and people who feel the same way as you. And so I think that is a very powerful statement that I want 
if anyone is listening, I like, that's what I want you to walk away with. Just yeah. like, you can, create, you can create the table, you can create the space. Yeah. You, you find, you may not feel like you fit in somewhere, but you can establish that yourself and make it mm-hmm. so others around you who don't feel like they fit in can also be there and also establish, mm-hmm. you know, a name for themselves and contribute something and yeah, like you said, it has so much to do with representation. Like I didn't feel represented or maybe I didn't feel like I could fit in because I didn't feel represented in these spaces. Like, you know, there are so many times where I like I was the only one who was from the Central Valley. I was the only one who came from parents who were immigrants from Central America. You know, those were a lot. Those are the case. That was the case a lot of the time, especially in my upbringing. So it never felt like it was an opportunity. It never mm-hmm. felt like a chance um, because I was just not represented. And it's getting a lot better now. And I feel like there's so many um, more spaces to have these kinds of conversations. So it makes me really happy for like the generations to come. Um, and I recognize that there are so many more oh, struggles to work on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to um, There's a lot more strides to make. And I think that yeah, that's something sure. that, that will, I'll never forget. And I always will try to be working towards in my own personal and professional life. Yeah. I mean, I can just think back to when we met and we were so happy. We were from Central America. We were like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> we were so like, and that's the feeling that you, that I get all, like it's, it's constant. Anytime yeah. I meet anyone that's from Central America, especially Honduras, <laughs> I'm just like, like literally like my life just like blossomed. Oh, I'm just up. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like there's rainbows yeah. and unicorns walking around all of a sudden, but it's literally that feeling of like, wow, like, you know, there is, there is more of us out there and it's not just mm-hmm. my family, you know, Yeah, <laughs> we are, we are everywhere. So I, I love that you, you talked about that story because I think it's just such a common thing that our community goes through. But yeah. again, it's like not always talked about. Right. Right. So I want to go into our cafecito and cheese portion <laughs> because I love your story. Thank you. I'm so excited you came on. I'm like so happy that you're here. But also <laughs> I want to hear what you're up to now. And this is kind of cool yeah. for me because I'm like, what you've been up to, girl? We're also catching um, up. <laughs> we're also catching up. So yeah, this is definitely cheese time. But yeah, tell like, what are you up to now? Like job, yeah. passion projects, <laughs> relationships, but... <laughs> tell me yeah tell me tell us what you're up to yeah so um like I said it was being in college and being in spaces that I was trying to find myself was really what brought out like more of my passion so I got really involved on campus like you know and it got Mm -hmm. it turned into my passion for like higher ed and wanting to fill gaps in education and especially with with spaces where students felt like they needed guidance, because um, I felt like I needed that guidance. So now that right. I, you know, have graduated from college and can move on to like my professional life, I wanted to contribute to places and and companies that were giving support to students in need. Um, so I now am in the nonprofit world. I work in um, work for a nonprofit company that is um, supports 
low-income, high-achieving students and getting scholarships for top colleges in the United States. So it's really rewarding work. Um, I love my job. Yeah, it's, it's a company that has been around for about 25 years now, and they have supported several, several students um, in, in finding themselves and finding themselves in places where mm-hmm. they never thought they could be um, because they're low income, because they come from, you know, Section 8 housing, and they come from places where they never thought they could mm-hmm. even afford community college, yet they're getting full scholarships to Yale and Princeton and all these schools that we're um, partnered with because of the company that I work for. So it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, I will, it's called Questbridge. So Quest, oh, shout yeah, out yeah, to Questbridge cool. if you are um, a oh. student who <laughs> is looking for a full ride scholarship, please apply to us. Um, it's, it's really amazing work. And I, it's also great that I work with people who are also mission driven and care about the students that we serve. Um, and I think that I want to be in this realm for a while of like nonprofit education work, because it's just really important, um, to be able to help students who, or just people who feel like they can never be in spaces that higher or that people who have higher resources can just because of their money and that should never be the case so that is my now, work now creating a pipeline for access that is yeah huge. yeah and just creating that pipeline and also closing the achievement gap and making sure that mm-hmm. there are opportunities for people no matter where they come from um so it's it's yeah. awesome to be able and because i'm in communications it's so nice to be able to storytell and share the stories of some of the students who have gone through our program because they are the most just like uplifting stories you can hear and um, being able to amplify their voice is the best thing for me and it's it's really it makes my day every day (laughs) oh yes I love that it's like your job but also a passion yeah absolutely yeah and it, it It's been really great. I've been working there for a little over a year now and um, I love it. Yeah, (laughs) that's my work and my passion. But other than that, like other things that I've I've been doing, I've just been trying to survive this quarantine. Um, I did the most most quarantine-y thing you can do and I adopted a dog (laughs) about a month ago. Oh, you did? I did. I adopted oh my a dog. God. Yeah. I thought you were talking him. about Frodo. Your my parents. No. Dog, lives, right? Yeah. So he he's like our family dog. He lives with my parents, but like um I got my own. Like I adopted my own dog oh about a month God. ago. And it's been so fun. He's also Latino. He was um rescued from <laughs> San Felipe, Mexico. <laughs> that is a cute he's a little immigrant. He is an immigrant. Yeah. Um it's that been great. So Taken up like my whole life this past month, but it's Aww. been so great. I love dogs. I've always wanted to have one. And because of quarantine, yeah. I've had the time to. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's shout been. Out, like, you know what? Like shout out to quarantine. The other day, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's okay. There's a lot going on right in the world. It's like mm-hmm. one thing after another. So much. It's so funny. I saw this tweet that was like, 
I aspire to be like 2020, like always outdoing myself, never settling for anything less than mediocre. Like it was just <laughs> doing the I most. Like, so, um, but no, I mean, like COVID has obviously like shaken up all of our, our lives, our work, our communities. Like it's, there's a lot, right. Yeah. And like yeah. to the flip side of that, I think there's also a lot of blessings that came with it. Um, right. Um, some, you know, like it, it all depends on your situation and I'm very empathetic to there's some people who really have it tough and, you know, there's constant work to do there and it shows how broken <laughs> a lot of the systems yeah. are, the whole yeah. system is. But I think like the most beautiful thing that I've seen out of quarantine is people finally prioritizing themselves, their happiness, like getting a dog or doing yeah. their passion project or starting that song that they like have been wanting to release, like Zeke. Yeah. <laughs> Zeke is one of our old coworkers. Um, <laughs> shout out to Zeke. Yes. I got his music. <laughs> um, but it's called Your Man by Zeke. Um, but there's 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 a lot of things that I've been seeing come out of quarantine. The talent that's come out, the the self-love, mm-hmm. the self-care, the the education, right, around mm-hmm. things that happen around the world. I think like right now, what I've seen that has been a blessing across the board is that people are paying attention. Right. And they're paying attention to politics. They're paying attention to the injustices. They're paying attention to healthcare, and they're paying attention to all these things that are not new things in our world, unfortunately. But they're paying attention, and collectively, I'm I'm hopeful that collectively we can make strides in the world, yeah, and that we can essentially flip the narrative and change it. So, I know quarantine has been crazy but I'm glad you got a dog. All that to say that I'm glad you got a dog. <laughs> I'm glad that you're spending this quality time with him and yeah. you're, you know, living a happier quarantine life. <laughs> I am. It's been great. And, you know, he was, a, he was a stray. So, you know, getting him acclimated to being right? loved Everyone. is very important. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm happy for you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for talking about your your story your background yeah. you got to meet that giving a shout out to the lopez fam one of my yes. dreams is to go to one of your family parties um, <laughs> they are the best okay. <laughs> um just to give context for those listening oh my gosh nayeli we were roommates right nayeli would always like go home on weekends and just have like be like a ball and she would come home <laughs> and tell me about all these family parties i'm like <sighs> why don't you take me? <laughs> It'd be so bad. But no, I'm, I'm really thankful for you and your friendship. And, you know, Nayeli is a light, you know, in, in a lot of people's lives. I know you're a light in mine. And so I'm really happy you got to talk about this story um, that I've never heard. I've known you for years, but I've never heard this story about your Latinidad, your story. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate yeah. it. And like I said before, like I was like, I don't have a story. Like this isn't this isn't anything. But I'm realizing like it's so important to still amplify us us average Joes, you know, living life and not average. Have- no, <laughs> it's not even average. Like it's it's amplifying stories that are real, that are raw, yeah. that are represented in every. Like it doesn't matter if you have yeah. twenty years in a successful career or if right. you're like. <laughs> like a student trying to navigate life, but it's stories from all different generations, from all different points in life that I think are important to highlight and share. Yeah, um, absolutely. But 
I want to do a closing with you and my favorite part. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you have anything. I'm still drinking my coffee. Like I've had two today. I, really <laughs> I have my water. water. <laughs> oh my God. That's what I should be drinking. But <laughs> they here I am. Come on. I can cup of coffee. Um, which actually dehydrates you. So, right? <laughs> I think oh, oh, the caffeine. Yeah, the caffeine does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I want to do a Vinny Beats with you. Um, yes. So a virtual cheers and manifest some good for our Latino community. So yes. what do you want to manifest and cheers to? I want to manifest um, being your genuine self 100% of the time and never feeling like you need to fit in a label or anything like that. Just be yourself and your label will find you and your community will find you as well. Mm, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Salud. Salud. <laughs> Gracias, mi gente, for tuning into today's episode of my girl, Nayeli Lopez. So, tengo una noticias, a new brand that y'all should follow. Okay, so I don't know about y'all, but I've been getting so many targeted ads on IG recently. And I saw this ad pop up of a shirt that says born of an immigrant. And of course, your girl immediately clicked and bought the shirt. And then I looked more into the brand and the owner and I have to put y'all on. Check out BarelyBrokeLA.com and follow them on IG at BarelyBrokeLA. Remember to tune in next week for more cafecito and chisme and more hella Latino love. Follow me on Twitter at Odalis Jasmine, Instagram at OJasmine with four A's and find me on LinkedIn. Con mucho amor, amiga Mereña.